So if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Isaiah 54 because it's really important that when we have a moment like that, which, you know, at times in our human experience feels like a finish line. We prayed for something, we reached, we, we, uh, we were praying for people through bless every home, praying for our neighbors, and God was doing miraculous things, and it, and it feels as if an event like our day one Easter event was the culmination of those efforts. And let me explain something to you today. Uh, day one was not the culmination of efforts. It was the initiation of the work of God in, uh, in us and through us. It's not, the be- it's not the end. It is the beginning. Now, we're not going to be the church that simply uh, tries to outdo yourself every week, you know, and before long, you know, you've got to have a certain Soleil service, you know, you know, you're trying to outdo yourself. We're not doing that. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. He can blow our minds in, in, in any service and any time. But here's what's important. When you experience something like what we experienced, that many people coming to Christ, that many people healed, what then is God saying? God, what are you saying to us as a congregation, as a people? What are you saying uh, to individuals? You know, that's a common question that I get all of the time. And sometimes uh, people want the shortcut. They come to me, Pastor Otis, I need you to lay hands on me and pray for me. Why? I'm like, why? Are you sick? No, no. I just need you to tell me what God wants me to do. (laughs) Now, I'm prophetic. God does speak prophetically through me. That's fine. But that is not how you use that gift. That gift serves to confirm a word that God is already speaking in the hearts of people. So, you don't need... uh, someone else to be your ears when it comes to your relationship with God. How many of you know Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. Listen, so if you get, oh, come on, not at this church, but if, if, if it happens here, uh, no, you're in a house of order. If somebody comes to you and gives you a wacky word in the parking lot, no, it was not endorsed by this church. The prophetic ministry here happens under covering. And by the way, I don't know why I'm saying that in this place. Somebody must be about to be going to experience something weird. Uh, Okay? By the way, Jesus isn't weird. People are weird. Just letting you know. However, listen. However, there are times where God speaks... To his endorsed structure of ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and he speaks to us so that the people in their family, in their their gathering, in their church, just use a modern term, can all get on the same page, can all be unified in spirit and cause and in pursuit. And today, I believe what I'm about to share with you is what God is saying to us as a church. 
I believe there will be individual applications, but what you're about to hear is more of a message about where, where are we going and what is God saying to Calvary Church? Isaiah 54 verses 1 through 5 says this, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth in singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall extend to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put, listen to this, for you will not be put to shame, for you will not, you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of the widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. I want you to, I want you to see one word in there, and if I was to encapsulate what, what probably will be about six weeks of looking at these scriptures, if I'm going to encapsulate it as a corporate message in one sentence, it is this. God is calling Calvary to expand. Your faith level is going to get way higher than that, even by the end of this message. You're like, oh, man. God is calling Calvary to expand. He is saying, Calvary, it is time to expand. Now, I want to take some time, and we're really going to look at verse 1, and I'm going to talk to you about how God is talking to us about expanding. First, today, we're going to talk about expanding our legacy. Expanding our legacy. Isaiah 54, 1, remember, it says, Sing, O barren, you who have not, not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, at first glance, those words don't look like they make sense. Unless you know what comes before Isaiah 54, 1. Isaiah 53. You're like, duh, pastor. <laughs> but do you know what Isaiah 53 is? Isaiah 53, listen to me, church, is the greatest prophetic revelation of the finished work of the cross. Now, I... It's not the greatest revelation of the cross, and here's why. We have those, those accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the actual crucifixion and what went down. But what you need to understand is Isaiah, in the shadow of the Temple Mount, received a word from God 700 years before Christ would come to the earth, and he penned the words that he would bear our sins. He would take up our infirmities and brokenness. And Isaiah 55 says, and by his stripes we are healed. 700 years before Christ would go to the cross, the crucifixion fiction is detailed the finished work is detailed in Isaiah 53 
So a revelation, listen to me, church, a revelation of the finished work of the cross of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection will lead you to one revelation. It's time to expand. It's time to get this word out. When I understand how much was accomplished for me that I get access to by faith, boy, I got to begin to dream with God. The finished work, listen, sets the stage for kingdom expansion. Now, when I mention the word legacy, that God wants us to expand our legacy, legacy is simply this. It is simply the inheritance left to the people who we influence for the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. It is the inheritance left to the people we influence for the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people right now are living like Jesus is coming back any minute, meaning that they're not interested in really leaving a legacy. They're really only interested in leaving And by the way, just so you're aware, if all that is left in about 30 minutes is my clothes, they fall to the floor, you can have them. If Jesus comes back in 30 minutes, whoa, I'm out of here. I'm telling you, he will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Oh, I believe the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, make no mistake, Jesus is coming again. But some of you live every day. You're like, Jesus is coming soon. You know why? Taiwan. <laughs> Ukraine. Hurricanes. Earthquakes. Let me tell you the legacy you're going to leave your children. How to eat MREs. <laughs> Where to buy cheap ammo. I've got, I know some of y'all are looking at me square. You're like, oh, I'm a prepper. Well, okay, fine. Okay. However, what if you, like the early church who thought Jesus was coming back in their lifetime as well, are wrong about the timing? What if he waits 100 years? What if he waits 150 years? What are my great, great, great-grandchildren and yours going to be doing with what you left them of your encounter with Jesus? What are they going to be doing with it? Are they, are, the way you live your life now will actually produce a movement for the kingdom of God or not. If we go into hiding, 
We have forgotten the scriptures. We have forgotten. We've forgotten who we are. And I want to tell you today, God wants us to live thinking, I am going to expand the legacy of the kingdom of God through my life. I'm going to dream with God. I'm going to be born again and on my way to heaven. How many of you know that when you get born again, if the whole Christian experience was just about heaven, you would say, Jesus, come into my life and immediately drop dead. But if he leaves you here, if he leaves you here, it could be that he is wanting to do something in you that produces momentum for the kingdom of God, that it's not only about your children, but their children and their children. Let me just give some bad news to everybody in here, even the youngest. Man, your skin's still tight. You have no wrinkles. I'm happy. In a hundred years, we're all dead. All of us in this room, we're dead. 100 years. All of us. Even you youngins. You look good right now. You're still taking selfies, aren't you? Not us. We don't take selfies. You get old enough, you start taking droopies. <laughs> Bless God. All of you still taking selfies. You're dead too. But I wonder, are you thinking about what your life will do with the revelation that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead? And will you lay hold of everything that was purchased for you and given to you as inheritance? And will you be faithful with it and allow the multiplication process to happen that happens in the kingdom and multiply it in your sons and daughters, that is multiplied in your grandchildren, that is multiplied in the great-grandchildren? I'm here to tell you, God is calling this generation who is on the planet right now to be faithful with what he has called us to. He is saying be faithful with it and listen to me. There is a right way to respond. Well, what is it? Expanding our legacy means this. Responding to God's dream. There's really one major point today. If we're going to live as a church that expands our legacy in the spirit of Isaiah 54 verse 1, we'll be the people that responds to, our, to, to God's dream for our life, not our dreams. How many know your flesh has dreams? Some of your flesh this morning was saying, I'd like to dream another dream, just go back to bed. You can watch the service later online. That was your flesh talking, but your spirit must have been strong. Either that or it was your wife. <laughs> you can't be led by the dream of your flesh. You got to be led by the dream of God. Well, what's the dream of God? According to Isaiah 54, listen to me. Many children... Ooh, some of the young moms in here crossed their legs, right? No. Not just natural families, although 
There's a whole lot of ladies in Calvary right now who are with child, and some just gave birth, which is really crazy prophetic. There's a whole, whole lot that even haven't announced it, but I know secrets. And there's a lot of babies on the way in a time where God is saying, I want you to dream my dream. And what's that dream? Many children. God's dream for Calvary Church is to be a people that loves him entirely. Okay, that's first. Make no mistake about it. This church is unapologetically a love God first church. You know why? Because the kingdom is a love God first kingdom. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength. And people over the years have reduced that to just living in some kind of robotic obedience to the commands of God. It is not that. Make no mistake, the love spoken of here is emotional. That you love God with all of your heart, all of your thinking, all of your strength. You give yourself to God's dream. Why? Because you love Him. You love him, and then it gets expressed in obedience. But Calvary, we're called to be a people that loves him entirely and then reaches many people with the gospel of Christ. Many people. I know some of you are like, well, you know, pastor, you're talking about this expansion. I just would like to be a part of a small church. Do you think like Jesus died for like 12 quality people? By the way, you need to give up on the idea of being a part of a small church. Get that idea. Throw it out. You know why? Because there are 2 billion people on this planet who had confessed the name of Jesus Christ. And I stand here today as a voice saying, about a billion more are about to get swept into the kingdom. About a billion more are about to come into the kingdom before the end. 8 billion on the planet. Listen, we got a lot of work to do. It's way less. Listen, it's way less than the numbers of unbelievers on this planet. Yes, by comparison, there are way more unbelievers than believers. But give up on the idea of being a part of a small church you're a part of the grand church that jesus is building in this hour and jesus said this the gates of hell will not prevail he said i will build my church now this will be a place that reaches many people with the gospel of christ and uh, what i'm about to say to you um, I've never shared this from any stage. Um, but you may have experienced this if Calvary's your home. Um, uh, several years ago now, uh, I went to Texas with a couple of men from the church uh, because we were really looking to kind of build a ministry that would help people get free. I don't even know that when you get saved, it's likened unto this. It's God, by his own work, removing you from Egypt. But how many of you know that when God removes you from Egypt, sometimes there's a process of getting Egypt out of you? He can take you out of sin and that sinful life, but we have to renew our minds. There's a process. So, we went to this place, 
And as we're flying there, I looked at the guys. I said, listen, guys, this is not. Make sure you understand this. I don't know what we're going to experience here. I don't know if this is going to be weird or wacky. I don't think it will be. I think this is going to be in keeping. But just know this. Calvary is not going to be a deliverance church. Now, I know there's a lot of things being said about deliverance lately. I believe in deliverance, but we're not going to be the weird kind of deliverance church where you set up, you know, uh, you know, little buckets and people are screaming over buckets, although I've, I've seen that. No, we're not going to do this. I said, we're going out here to be equipped. We're going out here, and this is just going to be another tool in our tool belt to help us as we're helping people get free of wrong thinking. So at the end, there was a prophetic presbytery, which is a group of people who kind of come in prepared, and they share prophetic words. And uh, there was a a national leader that was uh, there that day. His name's Joel Stockstill. And uh, his dad is Larry Stockstill, planted Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, been a been a, just an incredible man of God, raised up, I mean, countless pastors and, and people who are doing big things for the kingdom of God. And his son was there, Joel, uh, and uh, we were there in that moment, and Joel called me out in this crowd. And he said, uh, what's your name? I said, my name's Otis. And uh, he said, this is the word of the Lord for you. And he, he said, it comes from Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Well, my life verse is Isaiah 22, 22. So as, I heard, as soon as I heard 22, all the bells and whistles really kind of perked up. I thought, well, I really need to listen to this. I need to hear this. And listen to what, the, this is the verse he quoted to me out of the New Living Translation. It said this, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, which by the way, which was many Gentiles coming to the kingdom. Many people getting born again for the first time. They said, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. He then said, Otis, you have a Barnabas anointing. He said, the the spirit of Barnabas rests upon you. You will have an apostolic ministry. You will be filled with joy. You are a good man, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He said, I see an entire region coming under the influence of the Spirit of God through your ministry. And you're going you're gonna to help the under-equipped, and you're going to help. Uh, there will be pastors who come, which we have seen over and over and over when they retire, or maybe they've, they, they, you know, they, they, they just had a bad experience in their church, and they come here and come back to life and some are back in ministry now and I want to tell you we've seen it over and over again but here's what you need to know that the anointing on my life is getting on you the anointing of the Barnabas anointing doesn't just rest on one it will rest on a people you are a good people full of faith and the Holy Spirit and you will be bring a great many people to the Lord you should write this down this is a, this is a, a truth that The Lord was speaking to me. It says, personal words from God always lead to corporate fulfillment because God's dream for the individual always involves other people. 
Personal words from God always lead to corporate fulfillment because God's dream for the individual always involves other people. If you get a word from God, I want you to have a word from God. Matter of fact, Paul tells Timothy, he said, by the word that you received, by that prophetic utterance over your life, that that confirmation of what God wants to do through you, he said, by those prophecies, wage a good warfare. Man, let me tell you, if you don't know God's dream over your life, you may be fighting all the wrong battles you're fighting all the wrong battles and what we're called to fight is the good fight of faith as we run our race marked out for us not somebody else's race not a race dreamed up by our flesh but a race dreamed up by god himself so how do we respond to god's dream All right, anybody can handle this. According to Isaiah 54, verse 1, it's a real deep theological thought. Get happy. Get happy. It says, break forth into singing and cry aloud. He said, when you have a revelation of the finished work of Christ, remember Isaiah 53, when we see the fulfillment of Messiah suffering and dying and three days later coming out of the grave and giving all who place faith in him that same resurrection life, oh, break forth into singing and cry loud, cry loud, cry loud. You need to hear me today. There ought to be just sometimes you just break forth into singing. Nobody's singing. No, no songs on. You ought, ought to just sing. If you're really born again and on your way to heaven and you know your sins are forgiven, you're filled with his spirit, you ought to just break out. And you say, I can't sing. It doesn't say on tune. Amen. Now, your yeah, joyful noise don't mean you're getting a microphone. You can break forth. and You need to get happy. You say, that seems so shallow. Yeah, until you knew the, know the Hebrew word blessed. How many of you know every believer's blessed? Okay, I'll find some believers on this side. How many of you know every believer is blessed? We are blessed. Have you read your Bible? With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, they're mine. I'm seated with Christ. Everything I need for life and godliness is found in him. Everything. I'm blessed. Well, do you know what the first definition of the word ashar is in in the Hebrew? Happy. (laughs) Blessed people are happy. When you get a revelation that you're forgiven and free, you ought to be happy. I'm just going to tell you, nobody wants your cranky Christianity. (laughs) You know what your problem is? This is just for this service, so it's probably somebody right here or there. Your problem is, 
is instead of keeping your eyes on God and what he's done for you and in you, you've become a fruit inspector. And you live your life to inspect the fruit of other people so that you can feel better about your barrenness. Stop it. That's why the Bible says in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, nobody else, Jesus did not need your help to save them. He doesn't need your help to sanctify them. If God puts you in relationship with them to help them, to disciple them, it'll be done in love, listen to me, and gentleness. It'll be done with unity and care and patience. And as we prayed this week, long suffering. Y'all don't like that word? You say, what does long suffering mean? It means to suffer long. <laughs> Bear with one another in love. So you fruit inspectors, you need to quit your job. And stop watching people on YouTube who, who have deputized themselves in the body of Christ as the ultimate fruit inspectors. I'm, I unfollow them. Stop subscribing to that mess. And why don't you pick up your Bible and start getting God's word in your life and understand that the joy of the Lord shows up when you get born again, when you know what Christ has done in your life. Good Lord, that was for somebody in here. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I told you a couple weeks ago as we were praying and talking about reaching people that, that we needed to be attractionary. That we, we, I, I quoted this verse to you, that we should, we should with joy draw from the wells of salvation. With joy. Well, let's look at the context here. Isaiah 12, 2 through 5, it says, But God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. And this is known in all the earth. How do you respond to God having a dream for your life? Get happy. Start singing. You are blessed. Rejoice in the finished work of the cross that your guilty stains have been washed and cleansed. You're in the family of God, and you are here to leave a legacy for the kingdom of God. Amen. Glory to God. It's only the cranky people not clapping. So, what do we do next? So we're responding to the dream of God. We get happy. And then what? Second, we believe God. We believe God. Now, he says, sing. Oh, barren. Huh? Why would a barren woman... Sing. 
this is actually spoken to Jerusalem. Isaiah 54 was directed at the whole city. Why? Because the city was not producing God's desired plan for it. Just in case you were wondering if God's plan extends beyond the individual, it does. They weren't producing. Why? Because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And here's why a barren woman could sing before any situation changes. Here's why. You got a word. You got the word. And the word for them is this. Your barrenness is over. And I have come to proclaim over Calvary Church and the people who call this place home and the people who are ministered to online, I give you the word of the Lord in light of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the fullness of his Holy Spirit. Your barren season is over. Your barren season is over. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on him who is thirsty. Oh, he says, I'm bringing you out of your barrenness. What's God's dream? More children. Many children. Many. And he's, this, is, this is fascinating when you look at this in the Hebrew. It says, for more are the children of the desolate. That word in Hebrew is fascinating. Desolate here, like we would associate it with being devastated. And that's kind of a modern way of saying this. But this Hebrew word for desolate means this. A circumstance comes and you are stunned in silence. That's what this word does. I am stunned in silence. I believe overall the church has been desolate. Stunned in silence by the circumstances that are going on in our schools, circumstances that are going on in our nation, in the world. We look at earthquakes, we look at hurricanes, we look at economies, and we become what? Desolate. Stunned in silence. But I've got a good, I've got good news. If you've been the one who has been silent about your faith, silent about Christ. Why? Because you've been looking at circumstances. I'm giving you the word of the Lord. Get your eyes off the circumstance and get your eyes on God. Get your eyes on God. Here's what, I, here's what I'm telling you. It is true that in the last days, the sun will be darkened. It is equally true the moon turned to blood. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke. Some of you are like, oh man, now he's going to talk eschatology, end times. This is my jam. I know you want to talk about the ashes, ashes of the red heifer. And where the third temple institute is going to build and rebuild the temple. You know... 
you're more concerned with something that's going to be happening halfway around the world than something that's going on right here, right now. And I want to tell you, right here, right now, should the Lord tarry, we are going to see God do something profound and significant. Why? Because he is giving a word to the desolate. Those who have been stunned and in silence because they're looking at circumstances. Listen, church, we in the last hour are getting our eyes off a of circumstance. Why? Because Acts 2 ends with this truth. And all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's he saying? The church is going to be filled with God's spirit. It's going to be full of God's power. Yes, there's going to be devastation going on everywhere. But Jesus is going to build his church and the gates of heaven. Hell will not prevail against it. We are not the desolate. We are the healed. We're the resurrected. We're the born again. We're full of God's life, God's power, God's covenant, God's inheritance. We have it all. And in the last hour, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. By the way, God loves to show up in our brokenness, in our barrenness. That's when he shows up. You know, have you ever uh, walked through the Romans Road? Those who have been in the church for a while, you would know that uh, people teach that this is a way of sharing the gospel. It's by sharing these verses from Romans, the road to salvation. Well, I want to read to you three of these verses, and I want you to notice our condition when grace shows up, by the way, barrenness is a sign of disgrace. No grace. That's what that's that in in the in the biblical times. If you were barren, it's a sign that God's grace was not on your life. God has a dream for all mankind, so He released His grace, grace through His Son. Listen to these words: Romans five six. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through, his, through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved through his life. Notice the condition we were in when God expressed his love. We were without strength. We were ungodly sinners and enemies. God's dream for this region, it will manifest through the lives of people who have received grace for their spiritual barrenness. And I am declaring over you today, if you're born again, your barren season is over. God is filling you with his Holy Spirit. And he says that through your life, you will produce fruit. You're not going to live desolate, stunned and in silence about what's going on in the world. You're going to be so stunned at the finished work of Christ that you can't help but share it. You can't help but reach out to your neighbors and pray for them. That's why we've been doing Bless Every Home you got to go and get the app. you got to sign up. you got to be a light in your neighborhood and start praying for your neighbors by name. And if you'll do it, you watch what will happen. God will begin to move strategically in your neighborhood, in their lives. 
people who have received grace for their spiritual barrenness will produce. So how do we respond to God's dream? One final way. Here's why. We prepare for the people. We prepare for the people. Isaiah 54, 1, remember, it says, For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. He says, listen, your life, no matter what your history is, before you were born again, you are going to produce more with the grace of God on your life than you could ever have done by natural means. That's what this means. He says, he will take you out of your history and give you his history. You know what that is, right? He went sinless to a cross. The devil thought he had him when he buried him in the grave. That was a problem. Anytime you take Jesus into hell, what's he do? He preaches to the souls in captivity. And then all of a sudden, he leads hell captive and he within one final step on that third day not only was jesus raised from the dead but others came out of the grave with him you know who they were they were people who had believed on him before and then he ascended to the father and came back and encouraged those over 40 days uh, and then uh, 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 over 40 days then ascended to the father and then sent his holy spirit i am here to tell you you need to get ready why because we believe that that finished work that Christ wrought over 2,000 years ago has broken us out of our barrenness and Calvary it is now time to expand expand our thinking expand our dream why because we're not living for ourselves anymore we're living for the dream of God we're living for the dream of God and when you begin to prepare for people first you do it personally I love what 2nd Peter chapter 1 says this is the part that we can do. It says, but also for this very reason, give all diligence to add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, uh, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be, everybody say the word, barren. You won't be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you say, listen, I'm going to make all of my effort connected to the kingdom of God in this world. I'm not going to build my kingdom. I'm going to build the kingdom. I'm going to add something, what, to my faith in Christ, virtue. By the way, that word virtue, it doesn't just mean moral goodness. It also means God's miracle working power. So you add faith, and now I've added power to it. And now I say, add it to, the, 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 to faith, virtue, and to virtue knowledge. What knowledge is that? Is God saying, go back to college, get another degree? No, he is saying, it's time to pick up this book again and take up the knowledge of God and say, God, my personal responsibility in preparing for the people is preparing myself as a workman who need not be ashamed, ashamed one who can rightly divide the word of truth, one who has an answer for the hope that is in them, one who when somebody comes to you with a problem, by the way, a, de a, a, a real answer is, I don't know when somebody comes to you with a problem, but there ought to be when somebody comes to you with, with something you know is outside of the will of God, a Rolodex of scripture that just goes off in your spirit that says, oh, let me give you this, let me give you this, let me give you this. This is what God says. This is his direction on this. And if you'll follow his direction, you'll be blessed. You increase in knowledge. That's personally preparing for the people that God says, your life is about to produce. But then there's our corporate responsibility. 
And our corporate responsibility is this. We have to prepare for people. We've got 20 people being baptized plus today. More people are coming into the kingdom. And most of you know that we, we started the Calvary Expansion as a membership. And that Calvary Expansion starts in this building. There's two things going on at once. This building will get expanded all the way out to the back wall. Everything you see now is going all the way back there. There will be at least 400 seats in here. That's coming soon. Well, that's great. We'll have a new lobby and new bathrooms, ladies. Praise God. So, uh, yeah. And then, but that's, you know, and that's, that's just so that we can actually get to what the, the next thing, where, where God has given us 20 acres of commercial property right across from Hernando Elementary on 486. Somebody called me this week and said, did you know they're building a Hobby Lobby right down the street from your church? I'm like, Hobby Lobby should be talking in their meetings. Did you know there's a group of people building a community that is built around the same principles that our business is built on? Did you know that there's a church down the road? Well, anyways, uh, I, I... yes, and we're going to, on that 20 acres, we're going to build a state-of-the-art worship facility. Our new facility is going to be there. And, and yeah, that's great. And listen, I already got the plan. That's the way it's going to look on the outside. You guys know the story already. People will leave Chicken King feeling bad about their life, pass by the cross, <laughs> think I'll get right with God later, then reach the eternity in hell as a long time sign. They will do a U-turn, come back to our parking lot and get right with Jesus, okay? I've got the whole thing worked out, okay? Whole thing. So... Uh, but this is, a, this is a huge project, by the way. Absolutely, it's a, it's, it's a mech. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't God saying to do it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have almost 900 seats in there in our sanctuary, a state-of-the-art, really safe place for our kids, gymnasium, commercial kitchen, uh, offices, everything that we need to facilitate the ministry, not only for the church, but for the school that will be on that same campus because we're going to have a state-of-the-art K-12 through school, listen to me, built around the presence of God. If you got dreams about being in our church, you better dream about being a teacher who intercedes, who prays in their classroom, who ushers in the presence of God right before you go to algebra. I'm telling you. Why? Because every class is going to be a place filled with the presence of God. Why? Because it is the presence of God that activates the minds of his creation. We got to prepare. And in a few weeks, you're going to be, I, I, I'm going to be asking, I want you to pray and say, what, God, how would you like me to be a part of this expansion? You'll hear more about that financially, about saying, God, how can we sow generously? This is a big project, probably bigger than you think if you don't already know the numbers, and we'll share that with you. That's not the point. I just want to let you know. Expansion of this building and the building of those three buildings, that is not the vision. The vision is leaving a legacy for the kingdom in the people we win to Christ. People coming to Christ is the vision of this house. All the rest, it's just a tool used for his glory that we pass as an inheritance to the next generation who are able to use it to run faster and harder than we did in our generation. However, we must do what God has called us to do 
and do it right away. Listen, not only are we building that, but we're building one another. Please don't forget, if you really want to prepare personally, you'll go get involved with life groups. You'll go get involved with other people. Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need one another. This isn't just a Sunday church. This is an everyday opportunity to express the realities of a risen Savior through redeemed flesh.